Ave, fellow Catholics, and welcome to another episode of the Lunchtime Podcast Sampler here on Catholic Radio Indy. I'm your humble guide, Corky Aiken. As we roll farther along into the new year, it's oftentimes the gray, dreary aspect of the season that prompts us to look at ourselves and wonder if we're doing it right. Does our prayer life seem dry? Has it been a minute since anything profoundly reassuring was given to us? And there's a reason for this feeling of slight spiritual discomfort, and it shouldn't be shrugged off or ignored. It's God asking you to perhaps look and see where He's leading you. Rededication to the sacraments, a more frequent adoration habit, and simply taking more time in silence to hear His voice can lead to a deepened capacity for discernment of where you're being asked to go. So on that note, here's Father Timothy Gallagher, OMV, who joins Father Gregory Pine in Godsplaining, on the topic of discernment. This is Father Gregory Pine, and welcome to Godsplaining. Thanks to all those who support us. If you enjoy the show, please consider making a monthly donation on Patreon. Be sure to like and subscribe to Godsplaining wherever you listen to your podcasts. For this episode of Godsplaining, we're very delighted to be joined by Father Timothy Gallagher. Thanks so much for joining. Oh, I'm really happy to be here. Thanks. All right. So so many of our listeners will know you um, from your various works on discernment, from your contributions to other kind of online media outlets, uh, the, the podcasts that you yourself do, uh, like Discerning Hearts. Um, but for those who don't know you, could you just say a word, you know, who you are, where you live, and the types of things that you're involved in? Sure. So I'm a religious priest. I was ordained in 1979. And uh, I'm an oblate of the Virgin Mary. And our main work is the spiritual life, uh, not exclusively, but significantly out of the Ignatian tradition. There's obviously a very strong Marian component in what we do. But this is really special for me for another reason, because I did all of my undergraduate studies in uh, philosophy and theology at the Angelicum. So I had five years of uh, Dominican professors to whom I'm eternally grateful, just um wonderful men, and it was a great education that I got there. So it's nice to link again with the uh, Dominican tradition uh, in this way. And I am here in Denver, in living in one of our communities. I'm here because I hold the St. Ignatius Chair for Spiritual Formation at the local seminary, uh, St. John Vianney Theological Seminary here in Denver. But it also leaves me a significant time for um, many different events, retreats, conferences, and uh, ongoing writing as well. Wonderful. Um, so at one thing that you're just in a very excellent position to uh, help people navigate uh, is the phenomenon of uncertainty. So it seems that discernment has become a kind of keystone of your apostolate, a keystone of your priestly ministry. And I think that in the 21st century, uh, it's a time in which a lot of people are looking for like life hacks or they're looking for easy ways by which to navigate the difficult decisions of their life. And I think one of the, the gifts that you have manifested is a kind of honesty or sincerity before one's experience and an embrace of the genuine difficulty in a way that's consonant with the Christian tradition and with our Christian experience. Um, so maybe just to speak to those people in a place of uncertainty, what are kind of first principles for managing uncertainty for those who are overwhelmed by their anxiety by those who are kind of, you know, ground down by their experience of not knowing whether to turn left or to turn right, where do you instruct them or where do you counsel them to begin? Mm -hmm. Well, the first of all principles in the spiritual life is in the first letter of John chapter four, that God is love. 
Uh, that's the bottom line in all of this, that you have a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who loved you to death, literally, and loves you every moment of your life. From the moment of baptism, uh, you share that current of grace and communion with him. And the bottom line, the reason why we, we even want a spiritual life is because it's the happiest thing uh, in this life and unto eternity. So that's where we begin. We don't begin with difficulties. Now, along the way, there are difficulties, and those are not outside of God's loving providence in our lives, because this is a bit of an overgeneralization, but we grow in two ways in the spiritual life. In one way, we grow when God is close, when we feel his love, we feel uh, the spiritual life and prayer and the sacraments are alive. We, we love our vocations. There's energy for new steps. St. Ignatius calls that spiritual consolation. In theological terms, it's an actual grace. It's a gift that God gives along the way. And we can all look back over our lives and recognize how much we've grown when God has let us know, experience uh, his love in that way. But sometimes even the most significant growth, not always, but sometimes will come through the darker moments when we struggle. And if we look back over our lives, we'll see that too. Sometimes it was the darkest moments that led us to take the most helpful steps in the spiritual life. So there is a reason why a God who loves us permits us to struggle in the spiritual life, because if we go through those struggles well, not only do they not harm us, but we grow in ways that would never have happened otherwise. Now, Ignatius calls that spiritual desolation. And one of the classic authors says this, without spiritual desolation, if we never went through those struggles, we would remain spiritual children. And uh, that's true. You can think of Hebrews 12. You know, he chastises every son he loves and so forth. It's all it's all done out of a um, a desire and a love for our growth. Now, we're not just helpless in the face of those struggles, and that's where our wonderful Catholic spiritual tradition comes in. And uh, as you mentioned, uh, I'd say specifically saints like uh, Ignatius of Loyola and on another level, uh, John of the Cross have a lot to say to us so that we can be, we can learn about those structures, those struggles, understand what's going on, which is liberation, because once we understand them, then we know what to do about them. Um, so, so one thing, yeah, just in that response, one thing that stood out to me is the invitation, uh, to maturation, right? So healing and, and growing are part and parcel of every Christian vocation. And the Lord intends that we continue to heal and grow, uh, from and beyond the effects of sin in our life into our, our spiritual sonship or daughtership. I, I think though, that like part of the difficulty of uncertainty, uh, or part of the difficulty of lack of clarity and discernment is that the, the immediate temptation is to abolish it. You know, you just want to be done with it. You want to have the decision resolved. You want to have the, um, whatever choice, you know, formulated. So that way you can seemingly get on with your life. Uh, whereas it seems like what you're suggesting is that our, our life is actually transpiring in that very moment. And that might be an especially precious moment for spiritual healing and growth. So how do we contend with the temptation to kind of get over or under or around whatever present trial is hounding us and seek to embrace the Lord in the midst of it? Well, we need to distinguish two kinds of discernment. Uh, they overlap, but they are distinct. The kind that you just mentioned is discernment of God's will in choices that we face. And obviously that's very important and we do want clarity uh, in that. The other kind of discernment is discernment of spirits. 
And there we're dealing with the ups and downs that go on in the daily spiritual life. Uh, times, as I mentioned, of spiritual consolation, times of spiritual desolation, and navigating those and getting through those well so that we're continually growing uh, toward the Lord. Okay, your question focuses on discernment of God's will. So I have a choice before me. I want to do God's will, and I wish that I knew it now, you know, and didn't have to go through a process. Well, I'll say this from long experience because I've worked with many people, uh, well, certainly in my own life, and then working with many people over the years. When you go through a good process of discernment, so here's a young man or young woman who is discerning a call to marriage or to religious life or priesthood. Or here is another person who is discerning between this career or that career and so forth. When you go through a good process of discernment, and that's where our Catholic spiritual tradition uh, walks with us, it can help us understand the steps, guide us through them. When you go through that well, two things, not one, happens happen. One is that you get clarity, and now you know which way the Lord wants, and you can move forward with it. But the second thing is that you have grown spiritually in ways that would not have happened if the discernment were just momentarily, you know, just right now uh, given to me. Because as you go through a process of prayer, uh, you go through probably some accompaniment if it's a spirit, if it's an important decision. As you're going through all of this, you're learning enormous things, wonderful things about the spiritual life that are going to bless you for the rest of your life. So that's one reason, at least, why God calls us to go through a process of discernment that's not going to be clear immediately in, uh, in every case, because as we go through it, we grow in wonderful ways. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I think, um, yeah, maybe maybe it's just the case that modern man, as one author of the early 20th century wrote, um, is haunted by the fear that his real life is elsewhere. Um, and I think that, that part of that comes from the experience of like absence, feeling that, you know, friends and family are absent, feeling that God is absent, feeling that the purpose and meaning of my life is, is absent or not present in the way in which I, I hoped it might be or envisioned it might be in previous times. Um, whereas it seems like the kind of the genius of the Christian mystic is to find God in the midst of everything. So, um, like what kind of like, what role does that play in discernment? Because I think a lot of us, or maybe some of us, I shouldn't speak for everyone. A lot of us are kind of outcomes based when it, when it concerns discernment, whether that's discernment of a choice, as you distinguish from discernment of a spirit, we're thinking about how to take the next step, but, but how do we learn to savor the presence of God? Like, how do we learn in our discernment to, to seek his face, you know, to seek his kingdom? Well, I would say that a discernment that is well-made is doing precisely that for you. Uh, Ignatius has that famous phrase of finding God in all things. Uh, and if we go through a process of discernment well, and here that's so much that I'd like to say, um, if you have somebody who's accompanying you, let's say it's a vocational discernment or any significant one, and you're meeting with an, a, a wise and competent spiritual person, you know, as you're going through this, one of the things that person is doing is helping you find God in all things. So that you can't discern without prayer. So obviously you're praying in the process of discernment. But there's a second piece uh, that you can develop in, and that is not only prayer, but also attention to what happens when we pray. So that uh, routinely in the process of discernment, um, 
well, I would say um, an experienced guide will help the person to see what's going on in, as that person is praying. You also get into things like the examine prayer, which is one way of rendering the classic examination of conscience, which really expands it from simply the moral dimension, which is always important. You know, if I've been impatient or uh, unloving towards someone in the day, I need to know that and ask the Lord's forgiveness. But there is further spiritual experience that's going on every day. That's where the discernment of spirits comes in. There are experiences of spiritual consolation and spiritual desolation. And if we learn to be attentive to these and to what's happening in our prayer, we increasingly get light on where God is leading. So in a sense, you could almost say that uh, a good process of discernment and finding God in the moment are the same thing. Hmm. Um, okay, so... I think a, a lot of folks in their discernment, they'll focus on the fruits of the Spirit as they are enunciated in what, Galatians 5, um, thinking in terms of the hallmarks being like peace, patience. Um, others will identify like faith or faith's redoubling as an especially significant sign. Um, how do we make sense of like a kind of cause and effect or a kind of um, like evidential support on the basis of these types of things? Um, so, you know, insofar as one will often say, you know, like you go where the peace is, or there's no good reason to lose your peace. How do we use these fruits of the spirit as, as helpful guides or as good indicators of, of healthy discernment? Okay. So I'll just trace one scenario, uh, as an example of how that might be. So, um, well, let's use vocational discernment again. Uh, here's a young man who is discerning between marriage and, um, and priesthood religious life. And he has very real possibilities in both ways. He's dating a young woman. Things have gotten close there. But he's also been increasingly feeling the call toward the consecrated life. And let's say that uh, he's discerning well. He's accompanied by uh, a wise and competent spiritual person meeting with that person. He's praying regularly uh, about this. Uh, probably he's visited this or that religious community or seminary along the way just to get more experience and information. Now, in that situation, if he finds that when his heart is experiencing those fruits that you described, and I'd say that's, um, we're talking about the spiritual consolation that Ignatius, um, that's his term uh, for such experiences. If he finds that when God is giving him the experience of the fruits of the Holy Spirit or that kind of consolation, his heart is consistently drawn in one direction. And if he also finds, and this is something, this is where you pay attention over time, the awareness that I spoke of just a moment ago. If he also finds that when he is experiencing spiritual desolation, so discouragement, doesn't feel God's closeness, no energy for the spiritual life, etc. There's no shame in that. We all experience that at times. It's just one of the undramatic but uh, important uh, tactics of the of one that Ignatius calls the enemy. You know, uh, it's all it's part of the spiritual life lived in a fallen, redeemed, and loved world. But if he finds that when he is in spiritual desolation, he is consistently pulled toward the other option. And this pattern remains clear as time goes by, enough time goes by so that it emerges very clearly. Then he has his answer in the discernment because when God is working in his heart, he's consistently drawn 
in the direction of those fruits of the Holy Spirit. There's a joy, uh, there's an energy, there's a sense of love, uh, of desire for all of that. And when the enemy is trying to discourage him with the lies of spiritual desolation, he's pulled in the opposite direction. Both experiences confirm that God is calling, one by affirmation, one by negation, that God is calling him to the first of, of those options. And this is one of the three ways in which Ignatius says God reveals his answer uh, when we're making a discernment between various choices. The other two ways, just to complete that, sometimes God just makes it so clear that there's no more need for any process of discernment. This is not the most ordinary way in which God does this. Uh, Ignatius sees uh, the call of Matthew, for example, in the gospel as an example of this. Uh, the call is sudden. It's clear. There's never any doubting about it. If I could say it, I think even my own uh, experience of a call to religious life and priesthood was along those lines. No dramatic experience, but just a deep certainty that I could never question and never have, you know. And then the third way is when we don't get that kind of immediate clarity and we don't see the clear pattern in time of consolation and desolation, then prayerfully before the Lord, we review the advantages and disadvantages for God's greater glory of the one option and the other. And where um, we see a, a preponderance of reasons for God's greater glory, then we know that's where the Lord is leading. That That's kind of a snapshot of yeah. uh, really the most... Um, central thing central thing in all of discernment right um so then let's maybe explore some of the avenues that you just described uh with greater care and um maybe with a, a sensitivity to the types of questions that people are posing in the midst of like mundane decisions i'm thinking especially about the seemingly ordinary decisions and how that might be deflating for an individual when he recognizes yep. the fact that he's struggling even with a mundane decision, like a kind of analysis paralysis, because he might go to a, a big Catholic event and hear a sensational story of extraordinary call or discernment, and then think, by comparison, my life is relatively uninteresting, seemingly unimportant. perhaps I don't matter to God in the same way. So I think there's a kind of effect where when one struggles in a mundane decision, we tend to accuse ourselves of being unimportant and uninteresting, and then becoming, as a result, deflated in that process of discernment. Um, how does one animate a continued attention to discernment with like a kind of, yeah, solicitude for the Lord's will, even in the midst of seemingly mundane, that is to say, ordinary and at, at face value, kind of unimportant or uninteresting decisions? Well, if it's true that even the hairs on our head are counted and not a sparrow falls to the ground, but our Heavenly Father knows it, then there is not only not one of us who is not beautiful and important and precious in God's eyes, as the scriptures say endlessly. But every aspect of our life matters to the one who loves us so much. And, you know, I'm really glad you've raised this question now, because thus far we've been speaking about the major choices, but discernment is a way of life. Um, so let's take an example. At really, uh, I'm going to give the theological term to it. What we're speaking about is the exercise of the supernatural virtue of prudence in daily life. That's really uh, what we're talking about. All discernment really is uh, an exercise of the supernatural virtue of prudence, all discernment on the level of faith. Uh, it's just exercised in different kinds of choices. So uh, let's give an example. So here's a married man 
young son, and uh, he has promised to spend this evening with his son. And then today at work, uh, the boss approaches him and says, look, I hate to do this to you, but we're really under pressure to get this done by tomorrow. Uh, could you could you get it done this evening? And now the man is driving home. Another 15 minutes, he'll be at home. And he's wondering, well, I promised my son that time. Um, the boss, however, wants this project done. Uh, and he loves the Lord. He wants to do the Lord's will in this. So how does he resolve that? You know, not simply making a human decision, but really wanting to do what the Lord wants him to do in this. So what he would do is very simply, even as he's driving, he lifts his heart to God in prayer, asks for light. Then he reviews the factors involved. Uh, and you'll hear the Thomistic um, counsel, the active counsel in the virtue of prudence there. He'll uh, Review the different factors. So how important is it that he be with his son? Let's say it's his son's birthday or it's the son's first um, Little League game or something. Or let's say it, it really isn't that important that the time spent be this evening. It could be tomorrow just as well. And on the other hand, uh, how urgent is this really, um, you know, the project? Um, could he spend the time with his son and still have the time that he needs to get it done? Uh, by the next day, etc. So he'll just, uh, with peace in his heart, review the factors, and then you'll hear uh, the judgment here. Well, as best I can see, which is all the Lord ever asks of us, we can take this as a principle in the spiritual life. God never asks more of us than our best. And what he says, well, as best I can see, I think, Lord, you want me to spend that time with my son. All right, and then the third act of prudence, the execution, he, do it. But I'll add something there. He should do it with peace. He's done his best. And then if we want to be a little Ignatian about it, we would invite him after the experience to review it. Maybe if he does make an examination, you know, an examine at the end of the day. And as he looks back on it, uh, he'll say, yeah, I think that really was the right decision. And thank you, Lord. Uh, well, okay, I did my best. But another time I can see there are other factors that I could take into account that might help so that he's learning from it. But what's really important is that he do this with peace. Uh, what we never want to get into, I did my best to discern in that, call it small daily event. I did the best I could, and we don't have to second guess it. Now, here's another principle from St. Francis de Sales, who has wonderful writing on uh, all of this kind of thing. If we ever find that the discernment is taking longer and more energy than the event itself, we don't need to do that kind of discernment. <laughs> okay. Mm. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Okay, God's I, God's wonder, never never asking that. Yeah. Um, so so then thinking about this kind of last stage, as it were, of like revision of the act, or insofar as we inform our conscience regarding acts that have transpired, we might accuse ourselves of you know past bad acts, or we might um, you know thank God for past good acts. But regardless, we're trying to inform our prudence for future decisions. I think there's, you know, there's certain people who are never content with their choice. Um, so it's like a kind of consummate temptation to inconstancy of purpose. Um, like they want to keep all of their options open so that way they could potentially exercise all of them. Uh, but as a result of which, they never embrace any of them wholly and entirely. Uh, so they're kind of haunted by dreams and somewhere between awake and asleep. Um, what, how do you counsel somebody 
you know, like how do you encourage people to embrace their limitation, the limitation of the human condition um, and a, a kind of certainty that they can experience and discernment in their prudential choices such that they can genuinely live rather than constantly be gripped by fear that there are better options available. Mm -hmm. Yeah, another really important question in all of this. We're really dealing with an issue there which doesn't originate with discernment. Uh, that That's going to be an issue of well, it could be spiritual formation, and I hope the spiritual formation that's given would not lead a person, you know, to that kind of um, anxiety, which could become scrupulosity and so forth. So I think if we ever find ourselves dealing with that, just always worried about how God is uh, seeing me, I'm doing my best, but I'm always worried, then there's a wonderful area there for growth in um, in spiritual formation. And that that could hum, that can come through just learning from the tradition uh, through meeting with a spiritual director in the various ways that we learn uh, from our tradition. So I want to reference that if anyone feels that, but know that we're called out of that. Our God is not a God of anxiety and nervousness. He's a God who loves us so much that, all right. But there's another issue that's, I think, um, maybe even more often than spiritual formation that's uh, involved here. And that's just human formation because uh, we grow up in a culture in which there isn't much commitment, in which commitments are broken very easily, in which we're sort of, uh, there aren't too many fixed points uh, very often for us. We're so blessed in our faith, you know, to have those. But in the culture uh, around us, there's all kinds of second guessing of commitments and, of course, um, breaking them and so forth. So that we can grow up in a situation that uh, in which there's some anxiety that we've just absorbed at um no fault of our own. We've absorbed this from the culture around us. And if that's the case, if the issue is not so much that I'm decisive in everything except when I'm discerning God's will, but that I, I find myself struggling in all decisions, you know, that I, I, I need to make, then we're dealing with an issue of just uh, growth humanly. Sometimes um, counseling can be a wonderful thing with a good, solid Catholic counselor, you know, just to work through some of those things. Um, maybe there were uh, times in the past when others who should have been there weren't there for us, and we can work through <clears throat> the impact of that on us. You know, uh, this is the way I would say it. <clears throat> uh, the eagle flies with two wings. When there is a need for healing and growth, spiritually, humanly, really on any level, if we're using the spiritual means, well, there's one of the wings. So a good life of the sacraments, uh, daily prayer. Uh, spiritual nourishment through reading in various ways, uh, sharing the spiritual life with other, all the tools that we have uh, in the spiritual life, scripture, liturgy of the hours, all of this. And we're using those in a way that fits well with our situation in life. And at the same time, we're using, there's the other wing, I'll call them the non-spiritual or the human means uh, to help us grow just humanly. And we're we certainly live in a time of a lot of suffering and confusion on that level, but we also live in a time in which there are means for help that were not there in past decades. When we're using both of those simultaneously, that's when the eagle flies. And, you know, I'll just say that over the years, I've seen very beautiful things along these lines. So here's a person who is hesitant in discernment. There's a spiritual component, I'm sure, in that there can be a human component. And when the person is working on both together, then you see wonderful progress. Hmm. Yeah, maybe maybe then as a final question, um, you speak of these various means which the Lord 
um, concedes or affords in order that we might attain to the end, which is himself. Um, and I think that when we have a certain clarity, uh, a certain conviction regarding those means and the use thereof, uh, then we're able to, you know, to, to be confident, like we're able to hope as it were. Uh, but when we're not, that is to say, when we, we don't have a certain clarity, we don't have a certain conviction regarding those means, then we can give in to despair of a certain sort, or we can even, yeah, we can drift further afield. So maybe how do we develop the, the kind of ongoing discernment of identifying these various means which the Lord places at our disposition so as to attain to him? Like, how do we cultivate a kind of attitude of uh, seeking him where he may be found or, you know, calling upon him when he is near? Okay, so we could... Um you could write a whole book and answer answer to that. So I'm just going to highlight three of them. Uh, the most basic, the most indispensable is prayer. If you are seeking to discern, develop your life of prayer, grow in your life of prayer. Um, are there ways in which you can build more daily prayer into your life? Uh, what about the life of the sacraments? If it's an important time, what about even daily mass, you know, Eucharistic adoration? Uh, learn a little bit about the liturgy of the hours. Learn about praying with scripture and so forth and uh, develop these. And all of that has to be filtered through the nuances of each person's situation in life, obviously. But that's the starting place. That's the indispensable ground of any discernment because discernment is a relationship. It's the human heart seeking from the light from the divine heart, and that's what prayer is. And without that living relationship in prayer, discernment is not possible. With it, uh, discernment can go forward in beautiful ways. The second thing I would say is learn from our tradition about discernment. Uh, if you go on <laughs> go on Amazon and just put you know, Catholic Church discernment or whatever, uh, you'll you'll find endless resources. I I may say it, I've produced a few that I think are kind of useful in terms of books and podcasts <laughs> and things like that. But uh, <clears throat> reach, out, reach out to the tradition and learn more from the tradition because you are not the first one facing these questions. Uh, those who have loved the Lord for 2,000 years have been facing them, and there's a rich body of wisdom in the church that can help you with this. And then the third thing I would say is, if it's a significant discernment, obviously the man driving home in the car, you know, this is a quick discernment. Uh, but if it's, you know, career, if it's vocation, uh, should the family make this significant change? Is the Lord calling me to this change in my life uh, in terms of career or whatever it might be? then don't be alone with it. Uh, be accompanied. This is classic in any tradition of good discernment that we want to be accompanied by figures of wisdom. Find one who can walk with you through the, through the uh, discernment. And it's the difference between, well, maybe the last thing I'll say. Um, when you're doing these things, something changes. Without these things, it's kind of like the hamster, you know, running, just expending energy and feeling like I'm not getting anywhere. That's not a very happy place to be in the spiritual life. When you're using these means, you may not yet have your answer, but everything changes because you know you're on your way toward it and you'll feel the newness and the growth and the goodness of what's happening. Discernment is worth it. I guess that's the bottom line. Amen. 
Um, I said that the last question was the last question, but for a last, last question, uh, you made mention of some modest contributions of your own on these matters. Uh, are there places where people can follow up with you and find your work and, uh, and profit from it? Sure. So I have a website, which is just FR for father, frtimothygallagher.org. And uh, all of my materials are available there. And as regards to the podcasts, um, you could just go on discerninghearts.com or download the Discerning Hearts app, which is free, and uh, tap on Spiritual Formation. It'll take you to a list of speakers. Tap on my image, and it'll take you to probably more podcasts than you want. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much for your wisdom and for your willingness to share it with our listeners. Very happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. My joy. Okay. Turning then to you, the listener. Thanks as always for listening to this episode of God's Planning. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you would, in your kindness, like the episode, subscribe on YouTube or your podcast app and leave a five-star review, all of which helps to get the word out and helps people to uh, work their way through difficult discernments so that they can come into yet more fuller possession of their vocation uh, for the glory of God and the salvation of souls. Uh, if you'd like to donate to the podcast through Patreon, you can follow the link in the description or show notes. And in that same place, you'll find links for merchandise and for uh, upcoming events. I think at present there are none, but you can wait in expectation for future announcements because there will certainly be some. All right, no of our prayers for you. Please pray for us. And we'll look forward to chatting with you next time on God's Money. You're listening to Catholic Radio Indy's Lunchtime Podcast Sampler. We're going to step out for just a minute, but we will be right back. The Birthline Program at the Office of Human Life and Dignity at the Archdiocese of Indianapolis serves moms and families with children size newborn to 2T. Right now, Birthline needs your donation of boys' and girls' clothing up to size 2T, newborn and size 1 diapers, wipes, baby wash, and other related items. You can email birthline at archindy.org to learn more about how you can help or call 317-236-1433. Welcome back to Catholic Radio Indy's Lunchtime Podcast Sampler. I'm the doorman, Corky Aiken. One of the things we encounter almost every day when we're thinking about whether we're on the right track is what would we do differently if we could. Many are led to pursue goals that seem bright and sensible, but if they haven't asked God whether they match His plans for us, those dreams can oftentimes fall short and leave us hollow. Here's a short uplift from former contestant on America's Next Top Model, Leah Darrow, who's inspired by the words of Mother Teresa, Go do something beautiful for God letting us know that our dreams are not selfish as long as we've checked in with our Father first. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Do Something Beautiful podcast. And I get to talk about something that I just love. And you, I know you've heard this before. We're going to talk about dreams, right? We're going to talk about pursuing the dreams that God calls us to. And this amazes me that this topic of dreams it's so misunderstood. I think people think that when, when we're saying follow your dreams, it's this selfish endeavor, that it's something that couldn't possibly be holy. It couldn't possibly be what somebody, what, what God would want. And it's all just meant just about you. And I absolutely disagree with that. We have dreams. And remember, God has the plan. 
We have the dreams and God has a plan. And Jeremiah 29 tells us, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you hope and a future. This is what the Lord is telling us. Dreams are not selfish in and of themselves. Now, sometimes I know some people can can make selfish things out of dreams, but I truly believe that dreams are born from our God-given talents, our passions, our experiences, and yes, even our sufferings. We can have dreams that are kind of born from those sufferings because maybe we want to help other people that have been through something like us, right? And so our dreams really can make this world better. And granted, all of our dreams have to be, you know, given to the Lord because he has the plan. A lot of times that we have a dream and of course the Lord has a plan and he recalibrates the dream, but we have to start somewhere. We have to start somewhere. And let me tell you something, your dreams really can make this world better. Every person's desire to contribute something grand to this world comes to fruition because of a dream. A dream to help, a dream to teach, a dream to give, any one of these things. They allow us, dreams allow us to be generous with what God has given us and really engage in holy contribution in this world. Because when it comes down to it, it comes down to sharing the love of Christ Jesus and being and allowing that to be a contribution. We were made to live lives of contribution. We were not made to live lives of comparison or competition. We have been made to live lives of contribution. And those areas of contribution can be in so many different areas. And so don't think of dreams as something just completely in the secular world or outside the home. Those dreams you have to have a holy marriage, those dreams you have to have a holy relationship, those dreams you have to raise a family, those are the dreams also that we're talking about. That's included in dreams because that truly is a mark of contribution. So whatever your dreams are, I just want to encourage you to keep going with them. Don't let anybody tell you that they're selfish. Trust me, God will sanctify all of it. He will recalibrate all of it if we give those dreams to him so that, so that they aren't you know, selfish, that they aren't completely self-serving. Because whatever dream we have, it has to be attached to that contribution. And that contribution is something very unique that God has given us to share with the world. And I pray that you embrace those dreams and you fulfill them. All right, God love you, God bless. We'll talk to you later. You're listening to Catholic Radio Indy's Lunchtime Podcast Sampler. We're going to step out for just a minute, but we will be right back. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are permanent dispositions that make us docile to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, according to the Catechism of the Catholic Church. These gifts sustain the moral life of the Christian. They are seven in number. Wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, and fear of the Lord. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are children and heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, in whom the gifts are seen in their fullness. The fruits of the Holy Spirit are twelve in number. They are charity, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, generosity, faithfulness, modesty, self-control, and chastity. The fruits are perfections the Holy Spirit forms in us as the first fruits of eternal glory. I'm Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Listening to this radio was really like the jump start of me getting to know Jesus. This is the station that led me to Christ. 
Catholic Radio Indy. Welcome back to Catholic Radio Indy's Lunchtime Podcast Sampler. I'm your hired shopper, Corky Aiken. Sometimes we're confronted with challenges that interrupt our goals and pursuits and throw a monkey wrench into the discernment process. These things are always temporary, and as long as we stay intentional in our desire to align our efforts with God's plans for us, we come through them not only safely, but enriched. On this episode of Dude Catholic, we hear about how it can sometimes be a grind. Sometimes we hard fumble, and sometimes we just got to keep putting one foot in front of the other. But how staying intentional and staying mindful of why and for whom we're taking it all on gains us graces and mercies that God gives us to keep us on track. Here's Dude Catholic. I don't even know what I'm talking about! Welcome to the Dude Catholic Podcast. I'm your co-host Adrian here with the man who can skip water on stones. Uh, remote? Yeah, you are. Today, we finish a series titled, Dare You, with an episode titled, Intentional. That's right. Our scripture today comes from Psalm 119. Incline my heart, O God, to your decrees and favor me with your law. So let's get this podcast on the road. All right. So I wanted to be intentional about this podcast and I don't want to make it cheesy. So I'm not going to start talking about how I planned ahead or anything, but I totally did. I just don't want to say it because I'm humble, but let's get to it. The definition of intentional is done on purpose, deliberate. And so it just kind of, it kind of makes me, uh, makes me think about, about something that I used to hear a lot when I was, (laughs) when I was a kid, because I don't know, I was kind of, I was kind of shy and unsure of myself all the time when I was a kid because I don't know who's born with confidence and intentionality. I think those are things that are taught, although I'm pretty sure there's got to be some people other than you, Ramon, who are kind of born with it. Um, but yeah, I used to hear it like, do it like you mean it. Come on. I was like, man, I'm just, I don't mean it. I don't even know what I'm doing, you know, most of the time. <laughs> so I was like, I wasn't doing anything like I meant it because I don't even know what I'm talking about. I didn't even know what it meant. So and there I was just going to school, doing whatever I was told at home and just just trying to exist. You know, I was just trying to exist. That's all I was trying to do. I'm just trying to get by and deal with life. But as we grow older, you know, like we have to we have to actually live like we mean it. You know, we have to we have to lift up our head and like just walk like we are intending to go somewhere and we know why we're get we're going there. You know, and so that's. That's kind of what I wanted to open it up with, you know, the idea of this is what it means to be intentional. And since this is the wrap up episode for all the uh, for the whole entire series, you know, it's uh, it's I think it's uh, appropriate to talk about the sacramentality of life. The fact that we have devotions, you know, and, and we're sharing those on social media in case you want to make it a part of your Lenten journey. Not only that, I don't know if you remember the quarantine edition of the rosary that's still available on YouTube for some reason, probably because I just haven't taken it down. I added the uh, the litany of trust. There's a better litany of trust done by the Sisters of Life. So by all means, check that one out. But if you want to pray with us, feel free to listen to ours too. Um, it's on YouTube. It's on our story on Instagram. So go check it out. Pray with us if you want. If not, 
you're a heathen or whatever. Talking about about quotes, um, I came across one a while back, and it was about not about it was from uh, Doctor Jordan Peterson. Uh, if you're not familiar with him, you should definitely get familiar with them because it, it's just a wealth of knowledge. Not necessarily like in a religious aspect, but everything he talks about, especially to to young men mm-hmm. and just men in general. It, it aligns with uh, with the faith. And uh, one of my favorite quotes by him is, face the demands of life voluntarily. Respond to a challenge instead of bracing for catastrophe. And I feel like that that's what, what most people do, where we just brace for catastrophe, brace yourself. And, and yeah, that's cool, but respond to the challenge rather. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about being more intentional, you know, owning like we own the room and we do. You know, whatever happened to uh, PPK, you know, priests, prophets, and kings. And that's how we live by it. You know, we face the demands of life in a voluntary manner. We respond to every challenge instead of just bracing for a catastrophe. You know, instead of like, oh, just just another day. Like, nah, it's not just another day. It's another day that we get to live accordingly. It's another day that, and, and you know, I, I get it. it. I'm not some motivational speaker in, in like, oh, you know, seize the day. Like, yeah, seize the day, be intentional. Sometimes days are boring, but you seize it and you offer it up, you know, and, and that's the thing that we do with the novenas, whether our day is exciting or not. It's it just, it is what it is. Um, I, I also was thinking about this. Uh, I, I, I saw the scripture online and it's from First uh, Peter chapter 5, verse 10. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Mm. In other words, at, at least for, I, I can speak for both of us, uh, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, at least with Adrian and myself, we, we embrace the novenas and we pray them with, you know, we don't compromise with that. I have forgot uh, to do it. But I usually make up for it and I just pray the novena twice in a day. But I also do a little bit of fasting and and a little bit of sacrifice for my own personal growth, not because God is offended that I didn't do it. God doesn't need my praise. Mm-hmm. I praise him because God is merciful and I want to be more Christ-like. Yeah, kind of forgot yeah. where I was going with this, but it's it just sharpens your faith. Yeah. And it helps me be more intentional. And I think we all need, need that as a culture. As men, we definitely need that. Oh, absolutely. And that's why, and that's why, like you said, we need to be intentional about it. We need to live a sacramental life on purpose. You know, the purpose is that I'm 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 jumping, I'm jumping points over here, but but the purpose is that God demands that your family deserves it and the world to start for it. We've said that time and time again, quoting John O'Leary. But being on purpose is something that's needed. You know, it's not something that, hey, you should probably start considering it. Like, no, 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 no. I dare you to be intentional and not see the results in your life and the way you walk even, you know, because we were talking about like walking around like we own the place because we do. And it's not so much that we own everything. It's like it's God's. Everything is God's. But we show up because we have a mission. We show up because we're here on purpose. You know, I'm not questioning myself when I go to when I go to work, when I <laughs> work from home, um, whether or not I have something to do that day. Not only do I know that I have something to do, I communicate it to my students. And, you know, today, today we didn't really have a fun, a fun lesson. Like, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I've been doing this for a while. So I, I know I'm an effective teacher. And today it was just one of those days that I had to tell the kids, you know what, today it's not going to be as engaging as most days. Today we're going to take notes. 
And I'm going to have to do a lot of explaining, but just know, and you know, because you're in my class, that this is not every day. And you know that if I'm giving you this, it's because it's necessary. And so we we went through the lesson, we took notes, we cracked some jokes in class, and, and it made time go by faster. And I let them ask questions, and it was good. It was good getting the clarification, but they knew from the very beginning, we're not going to do the usual, like, Quizlet or Kahoot games. For those of you that are in, a, in education, you know what those are about. You know, we're not doing all that interactive stuff that we usually do. You know, today was a notes day and I told them, and it's going to be boring, <laughs> but without saying that it's going to be boring. You know, it's just one of those days where we need to grind and we're going to do it on purpose. And I, and I was honest with them about the content. And I'm like, this is what happens in Spanish grammar. Like sometimes it just, it's just annoying and we have to roll with it, but this is what it means. And so it was, it was a good lesson, you know, despite me thinking that it was going to be a, a horrible lesson and it was going to crash. The kids were respectful. They were asking questions. They were taking the notes and they appreciated the material that I excluded and the one that I included because it was going to be purposeful. And I think as long as you don't lie to people about it and you tell them this is actually going to be useful and I'm not going to have you copy this or do this because it doesn't matter um, for our lesson. You know, it probably matters for some reason, but not for our lesson. So. I excluded that. And so just being upfront about it, being on purpose about what you're doing, that puts people at ease. And the thing is, we can't do that while we're living in zombie mode. And man, for 12 years, I drove for a long time. And it was good for me because I'm an introvert. But driving that long, coming back, going going over, I was praying, coming back, I was listening to the podcast or something. But coming back, I noticed that I was on zombie mode. Um, I mean, it's really easy to drive on zombie mode because you're just hitting the brake and releasing because you're on LA traffic. But when it comes to living the faith, yes, it's easy to live on zombie mode because we know the rules. Go to mass every Sunday, go to confession at least once a year, fast on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. And if you want, you can do it on Fridays during Lent. No fish, uh, I mean, no fish, no meat on Fridays during Lent too. I mean, it's just the bare minimum. And it's like, it's easy to just be like, okay, I don't have to, I, I can't do this on this day. But when you're doing it on purpose, you know, like you were you were mentioning fasting and that's that's intentional right there. That means that you're doing this for a purpose. And when you're feeling that hunger, you remember, oh, yeah, this is supposed to suck. I'm not supposed to be good at fasting. And you give it a meaning. You know, you offer it up. I remember when I first heard the whole the the term offer it up. It's basically give it a purpose. Yeah, I was. certain suffering in my life, certain suffering in everyone's life, I know your life, Ramon, and everyone else's life was caused by someone else and you had no control over it. What you do have control is what you offer it up for. And just looking back at all the suffering that I did when I was younger and whatnot, and I offer it up for my kids before they're even born and I see their lives and how much better they are. I'm like, dude, like I'm, I'm seeing this in real time, you know, I'm seeing this live and I'm seeing the kind of life that my kids have and I'm happy about it. And I would go through the sufferings time and time again, just so that I can see the fruit of it in the lives of my own children. We're so short-sighted and you, you brought up a good point because I feel like, like it's, it's a nice thing to say what you just said, but I know that you mean it a hundred percent. You know, it, it, it's not just some hallmark card, like you lived it and you're living it. And that's what's a, an inspiration to me. And hopefully we, we can encourage people to do the same, not just in the podcast, but in our daily lives. I mean, the podcast is really, really important to me. But if the podcast ever ends or when it ends or however you want to phrase it, 
I think what really is going to make the the bigger impact is how we act around our, not just our loved ones, but everybody we, we come across. Cause you and I come across a lot of different people. You know, you're a teacher and then I, I do what I do. And then I'm going to be meeting more people when I go to my next assignment. And, you know, all, all those sacrifices, all those restless nights, all those difficult situations that, that we've been handling for a long time. I don't know how good of an example this is, but usually when, when I have to write like reports and stuff, mm-hmm. I obviously they have to be decent for the sergeant to sign them off. And then we turn it in and then it turns into a case and blah, 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 blah. And I recently started going over them, you know, on my own time when I'm not at work. Why? Because I want to become a better writer. Why? So that I can be a better resource to somebody that needs it. Like I said, I know it's probably not the best example, but it's not a bad one either. Because all the, the, the time that I'm taking and all the, the struggling that I've had and all the long hours, I mean, I had to be held over at work almost an hour today. That's why we didn't court earlier. Yeah. Um, but it was because of that. Like I, I wrote something, something was a little off. It was like I said, it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't a hundred percent. So until I, I was able to get it a hundred percent, that's when the sergeant signed it off. And then I came home and I studied it again so that I can be a good resource. This is not just so that people can say, Oh, you write good paper, dude. Like, nah, I don't care about that. I don't care about the pats in the back. Yeah. They feel good. I'm not going to lie. They do feel good, but this is about the greater good. And I think we, we have many, many opportunities to, to show how, how God loves people with our kindness. I don't want to say any more things. This is going to sound all corny, but just be that resource. Don't let your, your pain and sacrifice, you know, just don't let that sacrifice go to waste. Don't let it be in vain because somebody's counting on you. People need you to be intentional. It's not this just hard hitting message, you know, like, yeah, you got to be on purpose and like this. It, it's not, not that, you know, but, mm-hmm. but in all realness, you know, people do need you to be on purpose. People do need you to be here like you mean it. Because if you don't mean it, why are you here in the, in the, per, in the first place? You know, I'm not, I'm not referring to life, like kill yourself. No, that's weak. And you know, we're not about that. I mean, it's just, People are counting on you, you know, and Ramon and I, we take our job very seriously because we know that a lot of people are depending on us. And when people interact with you, they should leave knowing that 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 was that was an authentic interaction, you know, that you're there because you mean to be there and and you're doing your work because you mean to do the work that you do. Little wrap up, be intentional, just be intentional, act like you own the place because you're a priest, prophet and king. And a king serves his people. A king serves his people. So don't let your your greatness get to your head, but rather make bigger sacrifices because the world is starving for it. So pray for us. We'll pray for you. So that's it for this edition of the Lunchtime Podcast Sampler here on Catholic Radio Indy. I've been your tracker and cook, Corky Aiken. Thanks for intentionally staying with me as we discern our goals and actions in preparation for Lent, which starts in just a couple of weeks or so. For copies of this show, go to catholicradioindy.org slash podcasts and follow the links. Thanks again. St. Joseph, pray for us. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy.